tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. As any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church, that's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. by the translation of today's first reading. So, well, you've got the salt shaker ready, don't you, Nick? It's going to be lots of grains of salt. There we go. Lots of grains of salt today. I'm not sure about this. But we'll, we'll plunge into the deep end of the great biblical pool in just a moment after we prayed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's go to the big book on the coffee table. Well, we'll launch into this. This is from Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, the 15th to the 20th verse. And Deuteronomy really means the second law. It's a Greek word. You know, the words uh, that start the the, the the names of the books of the Bible um, are, are kind of interesting. Uh, for instance, um, the the we talk about Genesis. That's a Greek word. In Hebrew, they just use the first the first word of 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 the the text. It's it's called uh, in the beginning. That's that's the name of the first book of the Bible. As far as um, as far as uh, Hebrews are concerned, uh, in Hebrew the book of Deuteronomy is called Debarim, which means words, the words of Moses, and it is the uh, um, the the final book of the Torah. In Greek, it means the second law because we get the law in Exodus and Leviticus, and um, the the. Uh, uh, it's, it's, well, let me give you all the names of all these. Genesis in Hebrew is Bereshit, which means in the beginning, Exodus is uh, uh, Shemot, uh, and, and Leviticus is Weikra, and, and Numbers is Bamidbar. Well, the Bereshit means in the beginning, Shemot means uh, names, and Weikra, um, oh, what does Weikra mean? Yikra, oh, I can't think of what Yikra means, but uh, Numbers is Bamidbar, which means in the desert. I will get this. What in the name of 
Sweet Heavenly Glory is the book Good of grief. of Leviticus. When you can, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Oh, is this going to be on the test? That's right. It'll be on the test, yeah. Uh, it'll be on the quiz. Pay attention. It means, and he called. That, those are the names in, in, in Hebrew. Not that that has anything to do with anything, but let's get back to explaining what the book of Deuteronomy is. It's, it's, well, it's a, it's a restating of the law. In a sense, it's the, the last will and testament of Moses. It's, it's, he's telling them, he's reminding them of the law, um, before the, before he's taken. That's, 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 that's the idea. So at least that's one theory. So let's get actually to the actual reading. <sighs> Moses said to the people today, I've set before you life and prosperity, death and doom, and choose life. And of course, this is one of the uh, signal phrases in the, pro-life, anti-abortion movement, um, and appropriately so. However, in a more general way, the commandments of God are life. Now, this is what I was so confused about. We read, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I enjoin on you today, loving him, walking in his ways, and keeping his commandments, statutes, and decrees. There are three things, commandments, statutes, and decrees. And I looked at the Hebrew text. Where did I put the Hebrew text? There it is. It's, uh, it's, you shall guard his statutes. What is a statute? It is a, a law that is uh, prescribed. In other words, it's a written you know, law that it, that it implies boundaries, uh, borders. You know, you do this, you go this far, no farther. So that's that's the first thing. A uh, chok, uh, uh, the 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 chukim. Uh, this this is an interesting uh, category. There are three categories of law. There are the oh, come on, brain. There are the chukim, which mean the statutes. There are the uh, the 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 mishpatim, which is the commandments. I hope I got the right plural. And then there are the uh, oh, what is the third category? It's in it's uh, the tzavah. I think that's the third category, the commandments, so the things laid upon you. There are two kinds of laws: there are the liturgical laws and the moral laws. And then there's the third, the chukim, which I mentioned, that just don't seem to make any sense. Now, people will try to make sense of them, but, well, it's hard to do so. Like, you shouldn't combine wool and cotton or linen. In other words, if it's an animal fiber, it should be on one loom. If it's a vegetable fiber, another loom, because you, God forbid, that you should have a little bit of cotton fiber and weave it into a woolen garment. The only place I know of in Scripture where this law of shotness, this law of separation is not observed, is in the high priest's belt. That's wool and linen. If I'm right, I just, you know, again, don't sue me if I'm wrong, please. But these different types of laws, there's, 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 the chukim just don't seem to make any sense to us. And, well, people will say, like, you shouldn't eat pork. What's wrong with pork? Oh, pigs are dirty animals. And as I've often said before, have you ever been close to a chicken? They're filthy. 
it has nothing to do with hygienic cleanliness. It has to do with a sense of separateness, I believe, that these laws, these chukim, these odd prescriptions uh, set uh, the is, is Israelites apart from others. And then there were the, the liturgical laws. Uh, the, the liturgical laws had to do with the temple worship. But then there were the more the commandments, the mishpats, the, the the moral judgments, and and these are what's given to us now. In in general, looking at the at the law, whoa, it just seems arbitrary, and and you know, you know, couldn't we negotiate, Lord, and just have like maybe eight or nine commandments and one of them be optional. No, these, the law of God is grace. Have you ever thought of it? The law of God is a gift. Grace is an undeserved favor. And uh, the, the, the Israelites were very, very proud of the idea that, that they were a people who had these laws, that, uh, um, that, that God had given them law, uh, um, this is this is a, a very very important understanding. The law is grace. You know, the law is a gift. That's the way they looked at it. That's the way we should look at it. I, you've heard me say that that uh, uh, that that uh, the the uh, I should thank God for every stop sign I'm near. Or that I encountered, because if it wasn't for stoplights and stop signs, I would have been roadkill a long time ago. Um, that 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 the law is given for my protection. You know, the law of God is like the yucky face that you put on the bleach to keep the kids from drinking it. Oh, God's so mean. He says we got to go to church on Sunday, and we can't fool around, and we can't steal stuff at work like rubber bands. God's so strict. What he's saying is that, that ultimately the, the, these things will, will kill you. They will hurt you. They might, poison might taste really good when you're eating it, but then when you've eaten it, it's, it's awful. So I, I think that, 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 um, that, that you need to understand that you got the the uh, uh, these commandments and you've got these decrees and you've got these statutes. Uh, the the idea that that the hukim are the idea of statutes those are laws that are set up and they are unset. We believe by the Messiah. So I don't know if this means anything to you, but this is a big problem for people. Well. The Bible said you can't eat pork and you can't commit adultery. We can eat pork now. Can we commit adultery? <sighs> no, you may not commit adultery. Um, the one one school of thought with which an Orthodox Jew I don't think would agree at all, uh, but one school of thought is that Moses went up the mountain and he got Ten Commandments and he came down and there was Edward G. Robinson and the Israelites dancing around the golden calf. Of course, I'm referring to the movie The Ten Commandments. And he broke the tablets and went back up the back up the mountain, and God gave him six hundred and thirteen laws. Well, six hundred and three more. What was that about? When you don't 
love the law of God. You don't need less law. You need more law. Okay, your dinner. Your kid won't eat the spinach. And you say, no, better than spinach, broccoli. It even sounds worse. You watch Popeye cartoon and like spinach, but broccoli. He won't eat the broccoli. And you negotiate. All right, two spoons of broccoli. No. All right, one spoon. And then he grimaces or she grimaces, eats the spoon of broccoli, and says, okay, now you can go play. Try that with God. You say, God, I don't want to eat the broccoli. You don't eat the little bit of broccoli on your plate? Here's a whole bowl of it. I've got all night. I've got eternity. And you're not leaving the table till you've eaten all the broccoli because it's good for you. You understand? You don't negotiate with God. When you have an encounter with God, you have met someone who cannot be reasoned with, bargained with, cajoled, bribed. As I've told you many times before, God has this problem. He thinks he's God. And he's going to fill your plate with whatever broccoli you need until you don't need it anymore because you've eaten it. You understand what I mean? You can't, you can't bargain with God. Look at Abraham. He tried. Didn't work. God knows what he's doing. So these laws, these commandments, statutes, and decrees. Now, my confusion in this, if I can find it on the Tetzavah, that, that they're the Chukim and they're the Mitzvot. Uh, oh, that's it. I'm not, I'm not, but I don't know where, where they put the, uh, the, the, there are three kinds. There's the, the, there are the, um, the Chukim, the Mitzvot, and the Mishpats, the judgments. Uh, but I, I don't know why they translate it with three words, because it, I only see two in the Hebrew text. That's just my problem. Don't worry about it. And and the word the word keeping the commandment, it's the same word that that described Adam's job in the Garden of Eden. He had a job. He was to guard the garden, to protect the garden from what? From that serpent, and that's Shomer. Uh, someone who keeps the Sabbath is Shabbat Shomer. That, 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 the Shomer means to guard. You guard the commandments. You cherish them and you're protecting the commandments. Have you ever thought that, 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 no, the commandments are outside of me. They're, they're these things imposed. I mean, no, quite the opposite. These flow from, from, from humanity. Now let's get back to the 613 laws. Why? Do we still keep 10? When the Messiah came, you know, the, the Jews talk about halakhic law, that the 613 commandments of the law, the, the, the statutes, the, the judgments, and the, uh, uh, and the commandments, these, these three categories of law, uh, why did they go away when the Messiah came? Well, they're halakhic law. They, they tell you how to walk in the world. Our halakhic law is Christ himself now. We don't have to look at these, these commandments to see how to walk in the world. We have Jesus. And he's the law come to life. He's the Torah come to life. Well, okay, you still haven't explained why we still have to obey the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are immutable because they reflect the nature of God. The first three are about right relationship to God, and then honor your father and your mother. God is the father of all. Um, fatherhood, parenthood springs from God. 
Uh, thou shalt not kill. God is the giver of life. Thou shalt not commit adultery. God is faithfulness. Thou shalt not steal. God is generosity. Thou shalt not bear false witness. God is truth. Thou shalt not uh, um, uh, covet your neighbor, your neighbor's spouse, or your neighbor's possessions. God, why am I coveting? I mean, no murder, no theft, no idolatry. But coveting? Who doesn't covet? Boy, I wish I had, I wish I had that car that my neighbor just bought. I don't know how he can afford it. Everybody covets a little. Why is coveting so awful? Because it says that God has not been generous with me. God is not good. It is to be ungrateful for what God has given us. Maybe the neighbor's looking at your car and saying, I wish I didn't have this gas guns. I wish I had my neighbor's compact. You see, God has given you what is appropriate for your life, even the difficulties therein. So, so these Ten Commandments flow from the nature of God, and they flow from the full nature of humanity. Thou shalt not steal. I wouldn't want to be stolen from, so I shouldn't steal. I don't want to be lied about, so I shouldn't lie about others. I don't want people wishing me ill because I've done well. Don't wish ill to others. I wouldn't want someone cheating on me, so I shouldn't cheat on others. The fullness of humanity is reflected in the Ten Commandments, but more importantly, they are the nature of God. They are natural law which flows from the nature of God. Right relationship to God, right relationship to ourselves and our neighbors. Therefore, flowing from the nature of God, the 603 commandments of the Torah passed away, but the 10 did not. There you go. All right, that said, we're going to take a break, and we will come back, God willing, in just a few minutes, and the phones will be open, 888-914-9149. Father Simon says... Anything further, Father? Anything further, Father? That can't be right. Isn't it anything farther, further? On Relevant Radio. Today, we'd like to thank Tammy, who is listening in Florida, for donating her 2016 BMW Z4. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. If you don't recognize this, it's the theme from the old Ten Commandments movie. If you haven't seen the old Charlton Heston Ten Commandments Watch it. I'm sure you can get it on YouTube. I don't. I don't know, but uh, you, it, it's very available. It is. It is great. I remember we're sitting in the in the seminary uh, um, TV room watching this. This was pre-video and all that. It was just on. I forget they would play it regularly uh, during the holy days, and um, uh, we're watching this movie. A bunch of the guys, and one of them, you know, it was the 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 early 70s and of course really the dead sea the theologians would say well it was really just a swamp and it dried up nonsense <laughs> you know <laughs> you know people tried so hard to ex give natural explanations for uh for the great miracles of the bible and i remember watching a, a show called walking the bible it was by a non-observant jew who became a much more observant jew he, he after this he, he tried to go to all the places mentioned in the scriptures and he realized that, you know, when we try to explain the miracles of God in a naturalistic way, well, this could have happened like this. 
Couldn't God have done it? I mean, this is someone who started off as a secular person who, by visiting these sites, found faith. And, uh, you know, that's true. When we try to explain the miracles away, why are we doing that? Do you not believe that miracles are possible? And if you don't believe miracles are possible, well, that's kind of sad because miracles are not only possible, they happen all the time. Oh, where was I? Ah, yes. Um... Uh, let us go to, did we do the letters yet? Let's go to letters. Oh, I didn't say what the, the, the seminary and I, my mind is going. <laughs> they say the memory's the first to go and I forget what the second is. But the, uh, we're watching this, this, this movie and one of the seminarians piped in and said, he looked as the dead, as the sea opened and the walls of water on either side of this magnificent movie and the shock of people and uh, in, in the movie. It was great. And the, this guy said, uh, do you want a God who can do that or a God who can dry up a swamp? <laughs> I thought, you're on key, brother. On key. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's, let's get to letters. We do. Let's go to the letters. All right. I have a letter. Oh, I wanted to mention Father Rocky has been very busy. Uh, do look at his Lenten lessons. They're really good. Lenten lessons on the Mass. And he, he talks about genuflection. And, you know, I, I was taught as a kid that every time you hear the name of Jesus, you should bow your head. I still do it. You know, it's a symbolic bending of the knee. But it's a really good lesson. So uh, also, he has a really uh, good um, video on on expressway churches what what expressway churches really are uh so uh, that's a good stuff so just go to the website and you can find these things but uh father rocky has done some yeoman work here and he also i like i particularly like the the lenten lesson on on using holy water as that that's this is it takes you through the mass these lenten lessons on the mass so do do go to them they're they're really worth we're seeing all right now we're going to do letters i got one from here from uh uh from brian uh in fort myers the idea of atonement did god punish jesus for our sins was jesus guilty of our sins no God did not punish Jesus for our sins. He atoned, which is different. Atonement, now I, I, I think this is really accurate etymology. What does atonement mean, to atone? It doesn't mean to make up. Uh, it, it, you can hear me clicking away. Uh, the the uh, etymology, there, I got it, I got it. The, the, um, uh, the idea of atonement, it, it is a word from medieval Latin, adunamentum, to bring about unity. It literally means at one uh, That's That's what it means. The atonement is, it makes us one with God. Jesus, you know, there, there was a, King Edward, the son of King Henry VIII, uh, um, the story went about that there was an Irish uh, lad uh, who was a whipping boy for Edward. And every time Edward should be punished, but he couldn't be punished because he was the king, uh, they would whip the Irish boy. He was called the whipping boy. The truth is that there is no historical evidence for this at all. There was never a whipping boy for King Edward. Uh, he just did what he pleased. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, 
the 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 idea of the whipping boy that that God got so mad at human beings he had to beat up somebody so he beat up Jesus that's crazy now the cross is an atonement it's it's a reunification you know uh, the Christmas Carol uh, God and sinners reconciled to reconcile means to be put on speaking terms again there was a reconciliation between God and man on the cross and. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk about the cross in the word of the day, but this 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 at one moment, this opening up the channels of communication again, in effect, the cross is about how much God loves us, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And and I, I always maintain, you know, that 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 uh, uh, on Easter Sunday, when Jesus showed them the wounds in his hands and side that he was saying without words, look at what you did to me, and I still love you with a love that death itself cannot conquer. That was, those wounds are, are, are at one minute. There are atonement. There are, there are God saying what he really, really wants us to hear. That's what the cross is. It isn't that just God was mad at somebody and he wanted to punish somebody. So Jesus said, punish me, don't punish them. That would have been a lovely thing to do, but it would still have made God an ogre. The father is not an ogre. Trust me on this. So no, Jesus was not guilty of our sins. He took our guilt upon him, but he wasn't guilty of our sins. And he made atonement, not by being punished, but by being the expression of the Father's love. That's how I look at it. So I hope that helps a little. We're, okay, let me let me move along here. Okay. This is... Um, I am a 52-year-old baptized, confirmed Catholic. I grew up with a Catholic father, Southern Baptist mother. We were raised Catholic, but mom couldn't convert because of objections to certain Catholic doctrines. I grew up in both churches and experienced both good and not so great in both. As for the Protestant churches I've attended, they were always much more active, much more activity and fellowship. From members from school age to seniors, I felt like family. When my children were born, the women at the Baptist church cooked meals for us for a week and brought it to our door every night. There are a lot of good things in both churches, but I can definitely see this woman wanting to go back to the Protestant church. Plus, you don't have the constant guilt or threat of dying in mortal sin hanging around your neck constantly. As far as the Eucharist, one could get that in the Orthodox. In other words, why bother to be a Catholic? Well, because it is incontrovertibly the only church that that can really claim the fullness of the gospel if you include what Jesus said about Peter. Thou art Peter, upon this rock I build my church. The keys of the kingdom of heaven, you look at that passage, and it's a reflection of a passage in Isaiah that really created an office. You know, that, that yeah, you can get the sacraments in Orthodox churches, but we are the universal church. I, I think it's important to understand that. You, you know, people talk about American Catholics and, and German Catholics and all that. No, that's not the proper way to say it. Uh, Catholics in America are Catholics in Germany. And we have this historical reality going on. Now, Orthodox would say, no, you're wrong about that. But, you know, I, I've looked at them all, and I really had to make a decision when I was in college. And I really believe that the the 
the Catholic Church, that church in union with with the Pope. Um, and that's an important idea, the unity of the church. It's a responsibility for both the clergy and and for the faithful that that this universal church, a church united in space and in time, we're united with the early Christians in a way that Protestantism isn't. We're united in a way that disregards ethnic differences. And I really believe, as I said, that the, that this universal church, this Catholic church, that's what the word Catholic means, is the church founded by Jesus through the ministry of the apostles. We're not an ethnic church. We're not a, a, a sectional church. We're not... We're not a modern church. Um, we're the church that Jesus founded, as I said, through the ministry of the apostles. That's why. All right. So we don't have good church supper. Some places do. Some places don't. Some places you get that real feeling of oneness, uh, you know, and some places you don't. And, you know, to me, the real deal with Catholicism is it's about the sacrifice of the Mass. Not just about the Mass, but the sacrifice of the Mass. I've told you repeatedly that sacrifice is at the heart of the church. And are you going to church because you like the church suppers and they made a casserole for you? Or are you going to it because you want to give your life to Christ and for the salvation of the world and the redemption of, of humanity? You know, is it, I, I, I'll admit it, you know, that, that there are places, especially in big cities, where the Catholic Church is, is, is just huge and it's, it's cold. Well, there are places where Protestant churches are huge and cold. Uh, I'm out here in the country and the little churches, they really know each other and they worry about each other and, and they got pretty good church suppers too. So, um, it depends where you are. My point here is, are you are you joining a church because you like the casseroles, or are you joining your church because you believe it's the church that Jesus founded, and you want to go to unite yourself to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross? It's pretty much that easy to make the decision. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I've I've been to a lot of nice Protestant churches where they're really nice people, but I've been to a lot of Catholic churches too where they're really nice people. So. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you, uh, um, uh, Matthew. So, all right, make a decision based on what God wants and not just on the conveniences of it. All right, at least that's my opinion. Where are we time-wise? Well, we're going to take uh, we're going to take uh, uh, a break, and I'll come back with a word of the day because it's going to be kind of a longish word of the day, and uh, um, I'll, I'll explain when we get back. Father Simon says... Well, what are you asking me for? Have a question? Give us a call. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. On Relevant Radio. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Częstochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. Who knows where the time 
goes, I yak away like crazy. You know, I just uh, talking to the voice in my head over the uh, over the break, and and uh, he was talking about someone he knows who uh, who left the faith and came back, and and uh, she said that uh, the helping of or the, the the sense of of the church in these little Protestant churches was more intentional. Well, that's going to be true for Catholics. We weren't we weren't Catholic because we wanted to be Catholic. We were Catholic because well, you had to be Catholic. You don't have to be Catholic anymore. You can walk away from it and not even feel guilty. Uh, maybe you should, but uh, uh, I think that with the the shrinking of the church, uh, we're going to become an intentional community again. You, you're Catholic because you want to be Catholic. And uh, these small Protestant churches can handle that. What you had was this big kind of national church, and I'm Polish. I go to this parish. That's what you got to do. Well, that's not true anymore. Irish, the Irish barely believe in God these days, apparently. Uh, um, that this isn't our society. This isn't our our body politic. This is this is our commitment to Christ, who's revealed Himself to us, and we want to be here. So as that changes, I'm sure that the church suffers will get better in the Catholic Church too. All right, uh, let's go to the word of the day. And this is kind of, I'm, I'm kind of cheating, but I want to talk about this because it's the gospel reading today. Jesus says, uh, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. What does it mean to deny yourself? To deny means to say no. To, he must say no to himself and take up his cross daily. Uh, um, what does that mean? You know, well, people say you've got to carry your cross. And the word of the day is cross, stavros in Greek. You gotta, you gotta carry your cross, which means you gotta suffer. You know, I would say carrying the cross usually means suffering, but I don't think it primarily means suffering. And I've shared this with you before, and I think I can get through this without getting all verklempt. Uh, for years, I couldn't talk about this experience without getting verklempt. And verklempt is a Yiddish word that means verklempt. Actually, it means sort of choked up. So, uh, I was saying mass at a very poor parish, of which I was the pastor, a very poor pastor. Uh, so what much of a pastor there. It was tough parish. And it was so poor, not only did they not have screens on the windows, they did not have windows on the windows in some places. And um, I was just saying Mass privately. I hadn't, there was someone else on the schedule for the morning, and I was saying Mass in the afternoon uh, just to say Mass because I like to say Mass every day. Uh, well, it was a summer, hot summer uh, day, and the, the, the fruit flies were dive-bombing the chalice. And in my heart, I said to the Lord, I believe that this is your body and blood. But couldn't you convince the fruit flies of this great miracle for a moment? At that point, the little voice inside, which sometimes is the Lord and sometimes isn't, the little voice inside said, with my hands nailed to the wood of the cross, I was a feast for the flies. I could not go on with the Mass for about 15 minutes to think that the hand that set the stars to spinning could not lift itself to swipe the flies from his face. If Jesus is who we believe him to be, the hand with which the Father created the universe, he couldn't lift his hand to swipe the flies from his face. And I realized the cross was not about suffering so much as it was about powerlessness. That he who was all-powerful, who had all power, 
gave away his power for love of us. He became powerless for, for us. The cross is when you are absolutely powerless. When you are raising a kid who hates you, says, I can't stand you. You've given your life to this kid and he turns into a surly adolescent and hates you. He can't wait to move out of here. Uh, you can do nothing about it. When your kids reject the faith and you preach to them, you've done everything you know, you pray and you can do nothing. When you're in a sick bed or someone you love is in a sick bed with tubes coming out of everywhere and you can't do anything about it. That's the cross. To be powerless is the cross. And it, it usually involves pain. Sometimes psychological pain, sometimes physical pain, sometimes both. But to be powerless, to think that the all-powerful God incarnate in Jesus Christ was powerless for love of us. That's the cross. Uh, and we find ourselves powerless frequently. And when we do, we say, Jesus, I trust in you. All right, let us move on now to phone calls. The phone is ringing. Well, Mike is on the phone. Mike from uh, Rye, New York. Is that, yeah, Rye, New York. What can I do for you? Uh, good afternoon, Father. You were talking about the Ten Commandments before. Yes, and, uh, yes. I, I got to say, as someone who left the faith and went about the world and sinned, um, those, as I got older and learned them, they are such a guide to living a good life and a life free yeah. of suffering that is induced by your own behavior. Yeah. Amen. Uh, you know, the commandments are hard to, hard to live with, but to live without them is a lot harder. You know, that they just, they would just steer you, you know. Exactly, in, in in the direction of 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 living a good and full life. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely true, Mike. And and uh, I, I just have uh, one quick question, Father. Sure, sure. As 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 the faith becomes less prevalent in society, is is there going to be some sort of um, uh, it, God's going to judge differently for those who didn't? necessarily have um this understanding or this knowledge how does that work father yeah i uh, well I, I think we have to look at at you know heaven is not just getting in or being kept out but god's purpose in our life we read in romans the eighth chapter his purpose is to adopt us those whom he first knew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that Jesus, his son, might become the first of many brothers and sisters. That's Romans, the eighth chapter. That God's goal is to make us look like Jesus so that he can adopt us. And, you know, it isn't just, you screwed up, you're going to hell. No, no, you you said no to becoming the, like my son. You chose hate over love. You chose self over over sacrifice. And if that's what you want, that's what you get. You know, that, that, that we need not only to be saved, to be snatched from death. That's what to be saved means. We need to be redeemed. In other words, restored to God's vision for us. So, uh, uh, everyone is going to have to go through the process of being conformed to Christ. And those people who consciously reject it 
in this world cannot accept it later. But we are hopeful that God makes that offer to everyone in some way or other, and that, that even people who haven't received a full understanding of the faith will be given the chance, we hope and pray, will be given the chance to say yes to Christ, and then the work of of being redeemed continues even after death. That's that's what purgatory is about. I think purgatory is one of the most beautiful ladies in the Catholic faith because it means that when we die, if we die in a state of grace, we don't stop growing. So God will not require... Uh, um, I, I, I believe in his mercy and his justice that he will not require uh, something uh, of someone who is not able to know it, but he still will require that we're conformed to Christ. And, and that process continues until, as Scripture says elsewhere, we come to the full stature of Christ. Does that help a little bit? I believe so. And, and to, to pass on in a state of grace, that means you have to not actively sin. You do not have to willfully sin anymore and, of course, go to confession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for Catholics, confession is required because it's been given to us. But even people who don't have that, 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 that grace of, of having the sacraments, that God will make a way. Uh, the Catechism says beautifully, we are bound by the sacraments. God is not. So nobody wants to get us to heaven more than God does. So, so yeah, that, that God is perfectly merciful and perfectly just. In his great mercy and in his great justice, he gives us what we really want. And there's a lot of people who think they want heaven when, in fact, they want hell. They only want themselves. They don't want God. So hope that helps a little bit, Mike. God bless. Thanks for your call. I'm honored that you listen. All right. Let's go to Chris, who's calling in from Vista, California. What can I do for you, Chris? Hi, Father. I'm uh, uh, asking a question that came up in our Bible study on Monday night. Uh, It is Mm -hmm. offering up our pains and sufferings. Where do we Catholics Mm -hmm. get that? Uh, offering it along Christ's sufferings to our our, fa- our Father. Can you clarify where we get that? Sure. Uh, one of the places we get it is today's gospel. I mean, yeah. when Jesus says, uh, 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 pick up your cross and follow me, he means it. It isn't just poetry. Take up your cross and follow me. Um, that that he, He's not kidding about that. That that uh, Jesus says, "Where I am, my disciple will also be." Where was Jesus most profoundly present on Calvary? You know, we follow Jesus in his teachings, we follow him in the resurrection, but we better follow him with Cal- Calvary too. So when we suffer powerlessness, we say, "Lord." I'm with you. You know, I love the morning offering. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings this day in union with the sacrifice of the Mass. When we go to communion, when we go to receive the Holy Eucharist, better put, we are saying, as he puts himself on this altar for my salvation, I will put myself on this altar with him for the salvation of the world. I will stand at the cross with him for the salvation of the world. So, so, this idea of carrying your cross, this is Bible. And, and if I'm right about this, this powerlessness, you know, these sufferings that come into my life, say, I, you know, every time a, a problem comes into my life, I have the ability to say, Jesus, I trust in you. To offer up our pains and sufferings is to say, Jesus, I trust in you. And that's the ultimate statement of faith. Faith means trust. Does that help? I 
believe that helps. Uh, there's a little more to it, though, for the redemption of ourselves and others. That's where the stickler, I think, came in. Does that make oh, yeah. sense? Oh, oh, yeah. In other words, uh, I'm just in this. It's me and Jesus. No, no, Jesus. Jesus wants us in this for other people. So how can my suffering help another person? If I'm a believer, if I'm if I'm trusting Jesus in the midst of my difficulties, does that help the world? Every person who trusts Jesus is another person in the world who brings light instead of darkness, who brings joy instead of sorrow, who brings thanksgiving instead of bitterness. It helps people on a practical level and on a spiritual level that they're forgetting that we're in a spiritual warfare. St. Paul says it's not against flesh and blood that you were, but against powers and principalities. Every time we make an act of trust in Jesus by accepting life's difficulties, we help defeat the devil. And the devil is goes about like a roaring lion. If I can, by my trust in Jesus, hinder the devil just a little bit, I have helped other people. People will say, well, it's no good to offer up your pains. They don't, they don't believe in supernatural reality. They don't believe that we're surrounded by this battle that's going on. And that my act of faith in the person of Jesus of Nazareth helps to defeat the devil every day. Does that help a little? Father, I think you nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank the Lord, because I never know what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Where were we? Okay, let's move along here. Let's go to Chris, who's calling in from Vista, California. Chris, what can I do for you? Oh, that was Chris. Okay. See, I haven't a clue what's going on. Let's go to Francisco, who's calling in from Alabama. Francisco, what can I do for you? Hi, Father. How you doing? Uh, I got a question. Uh, mm -hmm. If I ignore a mass in a radio, is that a sin? No, of course not. Of course not. It's a radio program. You know, if you, if you, uh, it's a representation of something. It's, 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 it's useful, uh, to us if we participate in it, but it isn't going to mass. Seeing mass on television isn't going to mass. That's just like seeing a picture of someone we love isn't visiting with a loved one. And you can ignore the picture. You shouldn't ignore the loved one when they come to visit, but you can ignore the picture so you can ignore the radio and the television, even when it's something as sacred as the Mass. Does that help, Francisco? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. I'll never forget, we were watching Zeffirelli's uh, uh series on on jesus and there was a uh, a girl in our little prayer group and and someone was talking to someone you know in a quiet voice and said shh that's jesus <laughs> no it's a movie with an actor portraying jesus forget it yeah all right god bless francisco thanks for calling in let's go to al from cape may new jersey al what can i do for you hi father your uh your analogy of of uh the fruit flies uh, it's profound. You should be doing two hours. <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, it, it, it would get like, in the way like, of my nap. Noah. Go on. <laughs> uh, in, in Genesis, Noah is told to, uh, bring seven clean an couple animals and, and one pair of unclean. Before Moses, how did he know what was clean and unclean animals? Well, 
I'm sure this is what Rabbi Lefkowitz, may he rest in peace, would say. God told him what was clean and unclean. They, you know, I pointed out that Abraham couldn't be called a Jew because you couldn't be a Jew until at least after Sinai. A Jew follows 613 commandments of the law. And Abraham, uh, Rabbi Lefkowitz said, yes, but Abraham knew by a revelation of God what the law was. And I said, where is that in the Torah? And he said, you'll notice when he brought out meat and milk, which isn't kosher. You can't eat meat and milk together. When he brought out meat and milk and fed the strangers, it doesn't say that he ate the meat and the milk. I thought, give me a break, mm. Rabbi. That's <laughs> really squeezing the scriptures. Uh, but but that's what a good rabbi would say. God let him know. So I don't know. I wasn't there. But on the other hand, the idea of clean and unclean, uh, um may have been a more ancient concept or on the other hand these things were written down they were these were stories told over over the eons and eventually they were written down this might have been written down after uh, after after sinai who knows i wasn't there but god probably let him know and speaking of god letting him know drew is coming up and i'm sure he knows lots of stuff because well he likes god god likes him 